Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Sorry? Oh, I've completely forgotten, what do I say? Uh, what do you say, you're Tim? Hello uh, Tim. It's been a big weekend, can you tell? It's been a huge weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Tim, we're back in the rugby dungeon for a massive weekend of rugby, it was a huge weekend, but it's been a big weekend in lots and lots of ways, as you will discover over the course of this podcast. And I look at JB, who looks like you just had it. You just put your hand to your temple. Like yeah, a... I'm defeated. So I am, I'm usually pretty good on a hangover. I'm not that, that bad. But even I had to have a little snooze prior, prior to the podcast just to rest my eyes. But uh, me and uh, Phil had a eventful and rather um, liquid weekend <laughs> in uh, Bath. Liquid was the name of a nightclub near where I grew up. Amazing. We, 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 we used to go to the one that would let underage people in, basically. <laughs> liquid. <laughs> so in Manch- uh, in Oldham, their local nightclub there is Liquid and Envy. Now, I don't know if they're two different clubs in the same building, but I do like the fact that it's got Liquid and Envy. Mm. Yeah, there, there used to be a Liquid in Lancaster as well. I don't know if it's just the same brand or just bo- well, boring names for clubs. People pick still, the same thing. Uh, that Oldham is so, co- is so cosmopolitan... His other club, which I've never been to, but I wish I had, is called Tokyo's. Wow. <laughs> it's a Tokyo, I mean, Tokyo and Oldham are very similar. My, my, <laughs> my, I always used to be dubious about... My, my sisters are a few years younger than uh, me and my brother, and they go to, or they used to, when they were younger, go to a club called Amadeus. Which I thought, <laughs> that's a dreadful club name. <laughs> Amadeus, wow. Phil, you're looking strong, though. Uh, thank you. I, I probably don't feel um, particularly strong, albeit... I'm uh, I'm surviving. It was it was a very very good fun weekend. You know, Watch, watching the rugby, yeah. drinking. What, 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 what mostly drinking? What didn't we drink? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Are, do you feel as strong as strong as as a rass, as a rassing ninety two scrum, <laughs> rassing ninety two pack of forwards? Uh, that is pretty strong. Yeah, I, I certainly don't have have, have their resolve today. Mm. No. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Champions Cup uh, and Challenge Cup semi finals. Uh, we're going to talk about the, well, maybe we should dub it the State of the Union, because um, there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack looking at rugby union more broadly. But um, yeah, let's let's keep it cont- contained to all the positive stuff. And to let you know, we will have a a midweek podcast later this week, looking ahead to round twenty two of the Gallagher Premiership. By which time, the big match against uh, between Harlequins and Wasps will have happened, and we'll have a much better idea of uh, what the permutations are going into that final round of matches and in, in the race for top four. Mm. Yeah, it's, get, it's getting very real. 
And it's getting very real for teams who've got to play, uh, well, three games in a week. Mm. A lot of people I know who are neutrals um, were very, very confident that the top four picture was pretty much done and dusted. Oh, there we go. Just just fill. It was pretty much done done and dusted uh, with 20 minutes to go in the Bath-Gloucester game. Oh, yeah. And then 20 minutes later, we still have no idea. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and Bath are very much still in the hunt after that incredible last 20 minutes. Furious uh, for neutrals. <laughs> yes. Uh, but as for the Champions Cup semi-finals, uh, just, I, I love this weekend of rugby. I think quarter-finals are my favourite because you get the the, you get, sa- you get the saturation of games yes. uh, of such a high quality. Uh, this, uh, I love the fact that it was Anglo-French in both cases, and I quite like that the final is as well, although I would have loved Exeter... Uh, against Saracens in the final for so many reasons. The storyline's yeah. there. The, so the grudge the, match. So it's going on with your voice. You said <clears> club <throat> twice. Club. And you, club. And you said something else. Loved. What's all about? Uh, you've I, developed I, I don't an, know, mate. You, 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 you've developed an accent. <laughs> I've gone more mank. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be my... You know how like kids get uh, get their accent off the parents just, quite often? No, no, I think no. I might have got my accent off the kids. Well, it tells you a lot about how I parent that my child is getting her accent off YouTube. The American accent from YouTube. Um, I want to talk about Saracens first. Yes, yes. I I, I want to ask you one one question right now because one thing I noticed in the in the aftermath of this, quite a lot of um, quite a lot of stuff which I I would say not very rugby actually. Quite a lot of smugness, a bit of snideness. Yeah, there was quite a bit of that going on. I was quite disappointed to see that. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I understand why people are upset for the cheating. I just think maybe they saw an opportunity to stick in the boot, and it, you know, and then off they went. But for me, I, I have no time for it. Um, I, I think watching that group of Saracens, Saracens men, they're just outsta- they're just outstanding, just as an, just as individuals and and as a team, and all of the nonsense about cheating. Yes, they did cheat. We know that they cheated. That has been done, but. I still think that they would have gone. They would have been an awesome team, uh, a team for you know, um, well, one of the great teams, even if they hadn't have cheated. Yeah, I'm so, absolutely confident. Well, that. that's that's the question I want to ask to start with before we sort of dig into the game against Racing and that semi final. How do you reflect on on the Saracens dynasty, which has now come to an end? Ten years, um, te- in the last ten years, right? Here's some stats: ten year Champions Cup quarterfinals out of te- out of the last ten years, <laughs> eight. <laughs> semi-finals out of 10 years five finals <laughs> three titles and that's just Europe yep. five premiership titles as well in that 10 years but parking the premiership for a moment we w- one thing I think can't be emphasised enough is forget any sa- any salary issues doesn't matter in that in that 10 years doesn't matter because even Saracens um, financially doping wouldn't touch Leinster's salary or Racing for that matter yeah, or, or Toulouse or Toulon during during their um, title winning periods yeah they had to do it their own way I don't think they had to cheat that's a, that's a, that's a sad part about it really um, I don't think they had to do it I think they demonstrated this year that yeah, they didn't it's obviously didn't ha- uh, yeah. have to do it by the way that they played and actually you know, to come under the salary cap what would they have needed to have done because of course the punishment is disproportionate to the crime as it should be because that's exactly how you want your deterrence to work 
But it might have meant losing a player or two players to yeah. the end of the salary cap. We're not talking about a, you know like they are now, where they've completely destroyed the squad, uh, barring their very core core key individuals. So, um, but just, broad, yeah, just they, broadly speaking, big picture, how do you reflect on the dynasty that Saracens have just ended uh, a chapter one of, the, of? One of the greatest club teams of all time. Yeah, and I, I would I would agree with that, and it is. Exactly, is the point you're making, JB. It's more than purely the um, just getting in big names, big players. Is their team is so much more than just the star power that they undoubtedly have because of the way that they're set up and the way that they played. So this this game, they were they were the weaker team, the weaker squad going into this game, and they were minutes away from winning this game away. purely because yeah, yeah away against what is a brilliant wrestling 92 team a brilliant team, team. Um, because they were so astute so, so tactically astute and um, they played as a unit I think Saracens have taught the world of rugby so many different things you know how you manage a team how you get people interested and involved uh, the project over in uh, Saints wherever they are Saints Albans Saint Albans yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where the basic, you know, they relocate, re- relocated to the club. The way that they engage with the community, just everything about them uh, has redefined the way they play. The way they play. I mean, even now people struggle with the way they play because you look on uh, Twitter and you look at you know what various coaches are saying. It's all about you know move the ball to space and this that, and the other. No, no, no. There is a way to play, and that's how Sar- and that's not how Saracens play. Uh, so you know everything that they did was creative, including their accountancy. Sadly. Um, <laughs> But yeah. they'll be sorely, sorely missed. Yeah, and they, they have the penalty is right. The penalty fits the crime, and in my in my mind, yeah. but potentially not the magnitude of the fine, but them getting relegated, I think, is appropriate for for their Premiership yeah. actions. Um, but they are still one hell of a team. And and let's also remember that it was this, it was this Saracens setup. And I'm talking about the whole club, which was the backbone of the success that England have had. Yeah, yeah, and took England to a, to a World Cup final. So, yeah, th- there's there's a lot of ways you can slice and dice it. I would rather reflect on all of the brilliant players that have come through, the the fantastic. And if you if you're talking just purely Europe, um, the the, the, the salary is an irrelevant conversation. Yeah. I think you know, because obviously as the pandemic was a bit miserable and whatnot, it's important to have almost like a good news story and I do see the Saracen story I mean I think they behave like heroes I think I think they're absolutely awesome uh, I loved what Brad Barrett said last week about how they had to basically park everything stay motivated they know that their fate is sealed in the premiership and yet they turn up every week they dealt with it in exactly the opposite way to how I would deal with it <laughs> I mean I would be petulant I would your be, toys would have gone straight out of the pram they, they would be everywhere I wouldn't have filled <laughs> fixtures yeah, you name it. I would have been an absolute arse. Um, but they were brilliant. They've been brilliant throughout the throughout the whole thing. As far uh, as I'm Richard concerned. Wigglesworth said one thing. Um, he, he said last when I was chatting to him after the game. He said last week against Leinster made it all worthwhile because that proved to everyone it it, it was real. Yeah, exactly yeah. the point that yeah. Take away whatever you want. Recalibrate things. We'll still, we'll still do it. Uh, and Brad, like you say, they very nearly got to a final. Yeah. Brad Barrett is the one for me who sums them up so well. You know, getting on a bit, bit in age. He used to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a joke personally. You know, when he was playing for England in the Thirteen Channel, the, you know, you'd always ask questions like, "Well, if you know, Brad Barrett's the answer, what was the, you know, what was the question?" And you know, there's, there's a lot, lot of mocking. 
And he's just grown and grown and grown in stature. And he accepts exactly what he is. He does it brilliantly, maybe as well as anyone in the world at that thing which he does. Um, and it's the grit and determination. And I think he sums it up probably as well as anyone. Yeah. And, and there's there's lots of people connected with Saracens who... I'm sorry, there's a, so there's a lot of people that have had little snide jibes and stuff. And I I, I would have preferred a little bit more more class, especially when you've got guys like Wigglesworth and, and Barrett who are coming to the end of their, that, that particular journey, and they are they are yeah. legends. And um, But there are a lot of people I saw, for example, I saw a lot of snarky comments when Jim Hamilton said, I don't care what anyone says, Saracens are an incredible club, and they're going, oh, yeah, you got a house, or how much money did you get for that? But, so I've got no incentive, I've got no skin in the game, I'm just very, very fortunate to have spent time around every Premiership club, mm. and, you know, and we've, everyone as fans has watched them. I, I'm, I, I've got no reason to to bullshit and I'll just they are a special bunch of human beings they really are a special bunch of human beings and uh, it's an incredible place and yeah they've they got the punishment that's absolutely right but it shouldn't detract from from what they have done and we're not going to see them for a, for a couple of years when we do no doubt they'll have the next Maratoji next Billy <laughs> they'll be even better so yeah well, well, they're for. cultivating the next Brad Barrett <laughs> yeah. and Don Morris yeah yeah yeah. Although he should have finished that try. Someone should have finished that try. <laughs> or Lewington when he died. Lewington oh. when he picks the yeah. ball up and rolls. Before, <sighs> before we get stuck into the games, and just to keep it on the kind of positive vibe, and again, talking about journeys, talk about a 10-year journey. Saracens have, have had a journey which is now going to end and move on before a rebirth, as, as they're calling it, whereas Exeter... Just keep on, on uh, rolling on. Let's just talk about Exeter for a second. Like, there's, there's guys there that were in the championship. Yeah. I mean, my Exeter knowledge from this week is somewhat patchy. Um, but, you know, I can tell you from past weeks, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, they're, they're doing a lot of things. They probably wouldn't like to admit it, but they do a lot of things that, things that Saracens do. They value being together. They value the lads off the field. Uh, they don't play in a dissimilar way. It's all about possession and territory and squeezing people and all the things that rugby should be about. Um, and, yeah, and they're awesome, and they're built that that squad as well. I mean, that that's the difference, isn't it? How they put together that squad to do such a precise job, and to be able to do what they did to to lose uh, in these big clubs. Now, it's you know, they, them winning the European Cup would be it, it'd be one of the most well deserved wins in a long time. Yeah, and it, it would be well deserved, and from where they came from, yeah, te- ten years ago the journey that they've taken to get here as a club, as an organisation, is just incredible. And they're t- t- they are two clubs, Exeter and Saracens, who, when you see them, they appear to... They just love each other, and they yeah. love doing what they do. Yeah. And you can't... It's, it's funny because a lot of people in the game do genuinely love the game, but not all. And mm. the, no, I, know clubs, plenty, I know plenty of lads that just do not care about, <coughs> about rugby. They love to play it. But you know, you ask some, you ask some, some internationals. You say, "Hey, what do you think of such and such?" I have no idea. <laughs> I just don't know. But these these boys, they love the game. They love Exeter, and they love doing what they're doing, and it and it shows. Yeah, that's it. that's a really good point because there are some clubs that think every now and again there's a little story you hear. Oh, there's a rumor coming out of this place. Or oh, this person's not happy. Or oh, these two guys don't like this yeah, person. There's a clean. You never hear that about Exeter or well, all Saracens. To be fair, you never hear it. Yeah. So. You can talk about money uh, all you want, but there's, there's so much more that is irrelevant of, of finances that, that you can get right or wrong. And extra, oh my word, oh my word! I, I, to go into your first ever Champions Cup final and play like you you 
you're not just happy to be there. Just yeah, I think um, I do think there's an expectation that Exeter win this game. Yeah, like a big expectation. Yeah, yeah, but equally from that's because we are obviously heavily involved in the Premiership and that's what we watch. I think from from Racing as well. I, I imagine in Paris and Tim, you, you might be able to tell me um, better because you were there this weekend. But they have been building as well, and Racing, mm-hmm. Racing. The two the two stories are very money. similar. So ten years ago, uh, Racing got into their was it in two thousand and ten or eleven? They got into their first. They got into the Champions Cup for the first time, and it was only just the about the sort of two thousand eight nine. They got taken over by the billionaire owner, yeah, and they were in the second division in France. Exeter were in the second division in England, and they've they've both made their way up. But actually, Exeter have faltered a lot of times at Europe, and they've they got to one quarter final. Other than that, they've not been very good. And then all of a sudden, they've 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 gone right the way to the end. Do you remember who they lost their quarter quarter final to? Wasps. It was wasps. (laughs) Yeah. I was there at that game. Yeah, that was my first ever European game. That was. I remember. Um, I had to. I text my mum. It was like my first. I think I'd done a couple of games for BT at the, uh, just after the World Cup period, and then later that year when they had in too many games to go around, I got I got another little shot, and um, I had to text my mum. When I and, and what I I said to her, I think she took a screenshot and she she's shown me the the message since. I basically went. Mum, I'm having lunch on a table with Lawrence Delalio and Brian O'Driscoll. Couldn't quite believe it, but uh, no, it was that. But um, Exeter have faltered, whereas Racing have reached final, semi-final, quarter-final, semi-final. Yeah, they've been building, and both the, they'll be thinking probably they're due more than they'll the next to more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you it's, think it's, it's interesting that? So I see it differently. I see they lost the like, final four years ago. A monkey on the shoulder type thing. Oh, that was the Leinster final? No, uh, Saracens. They lost to Saracens. Did they lose to Leinster? No, they lost to Saracens, like 7 Owen, Ca- Owen Farrell penalty kicks, 21-15, something like that. Did they? I don't remember that. Yeah, 2016. Which, hang on, they have lost to Leinster in a semi then? In a semi final. Oh, no, they might have lost, they might have lost to Leinster sure in, in the, the 2018, final. F- 2018 final. final. Ah, right, yeah. They've well, been to two finals and lost. Yeah, I knew, I knew that I watched them in a final in Krakow. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were in Krakow. They weren't in Krakow. <laughs> there was no European rugby final there, taking place in Krakow. No, there was not. But we did watch it in Krakow, just to clear that up. Where was it on? Uh, Irish bar. Oh, always. Surprise, surprisingly. Always. Of course. <laughs> we, we were, I think we were big Leinster fans. Wait, wait, was it in Rome we went to an Irish bar? That was the, uh, there was one Irish bar in Rome and we managed to find rugby on yeah, there. Yeah, we went to an Irish bar in... Uh, no, yes. Was it Rome? Yeah, it was Rome. It was that weekend where we went to so many different yes, places. It was, it was Rome, yeah. We had to find the Irish bar for the rugby in Rome. Yeah. Because there was a game on after the All Blacks Italy game, but I cannot remember for the life God week. bless the Irish. Yeah. I can't remember what <laughs> on earth we were watching. I mean, it must have been England, actually, because it's rammed and it's Six Nations and it's full of English fans. There you go. Mm. No, no, hang on. It was it an Irish Six match. Nations. It wasn't it was Six Nations. No, because the All Blacks had just played Italy. It would be amazing if, 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 if oh, that yeah, was Six awesome Nations. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. They, they all merge into one. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're in Rome. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, and had a couple of Negronis. Uh, I do think there's something different. I think that uh, Racing see it's another hurdle to be tripped over, whereas Exeter see it <laughs> you know, as, as their destiny. There is something. Like, I was watching to, in the Exeter game when... Um, Toulouse start building a score. They got the two early penalties, and you just think, "Hang on, Toulouse have been here before. 
they know even though none of this squad have been here before they they know what they're doing yeah they're going to build a score they're going to just get too far ahead and then there was there was something inevitable about Exeter when they get into the, when they got into the 22 and you right pick and go pick and go pick and go 10 meters out 5 meters out on the line on the line try and they did. They scored three tries by just doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, so well, they, they did a lot of amazing work to get to they, that they, position. They, ab- yeah. Absolutely, and yeah. they, they were they yeah. were brilliant all round. Um, but th- there is something inevitable about that extra play. And so I'm, even though I, I think there is probably um, the Racing story is is equally um, as important as the extra story, um, depending on which way you look at it. Something does just feel inevitable about extra. That they are going to do this, and I, I really, I, I'm really um, rooting for Exeter next weekend. It would be a, a, an amazing story if they do it. I watched uh, that game on French TV. Yeah, and um, you can tell Benjamin Kizer was one of the pundits, and he was chatting afterwards, and you can tell that there was a lot of admiration from the French guys for Exeter. Yeah. Mm. And you could tell, I, I couldn't, I mean, I, I understood bits and bobs. And even, even though you can't speak a language, when you see someone's face and you pick up the odd words, you can kind of get a sense. And Ugo Mola, the, the Toulouse coach, when he was doing his post-match chat, I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't know, maybe someone can correct me, but I got the sense that he, he said, we gave it our best and fair play Exeter. Yeah. Uh, that's the that, If I could mm. distill what he said down into what, what I thought he was saying, I thought he was saying that. Yeah, um, and what I liked about the extra performance is it wasn't going their way. They they sort of had to mould that perform, they had to mould that game to the game that they wanted, which I thought was very very impressive. Yeah, it could it really could have when when those Toulouse early penalties go on, they're building the score, they're six 0 up. You just think right, this is um, this could be going away from Exeter, and they force their way back into it. Do you, do you want to know a stat as well? Yes, bearing love, in, always love a stat. Bearing in mind Exeter really won that game. I mean, they had the game won, but they just put it to bed in the last 20. Yeah. In the Champions Cup, the whole tournament, all five games before that... No, 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 seven games before that. <laughs> yeah, six group stages plus. Yeah. In the seven games prior to that, Toulouse had conceded the grand total of 20 points in the last 20 minutes of all of those games. Wow. Wow. So that shows... Because Toulouse are not conditioned like a French team. To, to lose our, they are a serious professional outfit. Yeah, um, that is remarkable. And Rob Baxter described it as what did he say? He said it's. Um, he described it basically as like two boxers and how Exeter managed to basically. Uh, he didn't say this exactly, but he's basically the point he was making was your uh, one opponent sometimes is so so tired. They keep fighting, but they're so tired they can no longer put their hands up, and that's the point when you knock them out. Yeah, and so Exeter did to Toulouse. What Toulouse have done to everyone else. What Toulouse have done to everybody else. Um, <laughs> and to not only stop, to not only even it up, and rather than Toulouse being the ones that put the gas on in the last 20, even just even if they kept the scores like 0-0 or level for the last 20, that would have been impressive. Yeah. But to totally flip it yeah. I guess he's, that's, he's unreal. That's Simmons try as well. He's yeah. absolute top teams. I mean, there are different ways to win a rugby game, so you do see some lovely, expansive rugby from other teams but I think one of the easiest and simplest ways to get average players to play great rugby is turn your game into basically a brutal version of CrossFit for the last 20 minutes and just <laughs> who can work hard who can get off the floor more who can you know, do all all the little things right with an immense amount of intensity I loved Rob Baxter saying that you were probably 
getting right stuck into your Guinness and oysters or Negroni. You had a lot of oysters. Did have quite a lot of oysters? Yeah, yeah. a lot of they oysters. I want to hear more about this in a, in a minute, actually. <laughs> um, but, uh, but but I loved Rob Baxter saying exactly what you're talking about. He, he was he was actually the detail they go down to. It, it's yes, there's set moves and yes, there's there's systems that they play through. But actually, a massive part of the extra success and fitting into what we're talking about that they tired to lose out so much. He said there's so much emphasis put on little things, just getting off the floor quickly. Yeah, yeah. So that you or just you know completing a tackle, not just half tackling someone, completing a tackle because then you've got 20, 20 stone Joe Takori having to get up from the deck rather than from his knees. Yeah, and cumulatively over a game, those tiny little get off the ground is the hardest thing. Yeah, you've got to get off the ground, especially when you're exhausted and when you're. 20 stone when you when some of these big boys getting uh, Charlie Falmoina getting off the ground totally 20 times 30 times and a that's game. something if, if like in the in community level amateur games when we're eventually when people are eventually allowed to play rugby <sighs> again if you're a coach of a team and you come up against a bigger side that's one little coaching point you can say in the week yeah Fit, what, little point for this week finish every tackle get them to deck because make yeah. them get up off the floor yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the best rugby drills in my mind for fitness or short, intense, and involve you being on the deck. Malcolm's. Anyone familiar with the with with the, with the Malcolm? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, Malcolm's are brutal. So on your chest, run. On your chest, run. On your Is chest. Is that just back run. and forth? That's it. Yeah. Or, yeah. or to I the think, twenty-two, to the ten, out what, and back. Yeah. What did, chest? Uh, no, it's five, on the, twenty-two, ten. Well, you can do it way. anyway. It's all. Yeah. I mean, it's all the same stuff, isn't it? I, I don't. Do you know when they break up? <laughs> Running drills into shuttles. I think, why am I using? I mean, just make me run. Why? Why, why are you trying to make running different? Um, but they, you start on the halfway. You start on your chest up to to the, oh, the ten, ten, down, up, back to the other ten, down, yes, up, and that's yeah, one yeah. rep. So you'll do one rep, two reps, three reps, four reps, and then come back down. And but, it, but the way you do it, right? If if uh, anyone who wants to really torture their players, is you make them do the first rep. You go three, two, one, go, and you time basically the slowest player on the on, on the first rep or you get you know unless he's ridiculous um, and then you've got a benchmark for the rest of your Malcolms so you constantly want want them to be doing quicker and quicker Malcolms yeah so that that's because a lot of those drills um, you can hide to an extent yeah. on that kind of drill but you've got if you make it competitive and, and get the intensity right up there that's when you get the, the really good training in I wonder yeah. who the Malcolm is that that was named after. It's like I know, the, I know. Oh, go on. It's a, a Super League coach. I think I think he's Australian, but he's a Super League a fitness coach. I, I think because Super League went back and did. I think they tried to invent a new thing, based on one of their other coaches, and, I, and they have done it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't remember what it is, but yeah, Malcolm who, was what, a. Um, what other? Who rugby, else has got stuff named coach? after them in rugby? There's uh, Gary Owen. Yeah, yeah, Gary Owen. Gary definitely. Owen. Do people still use that? I still come. I haven't, I haven't really. It was Bill McLaren used to say, "Oh, he's put up the bench." No, 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 no. Gary Owen. Gary Owen's not a person. It's, it's, a, it's a place. Isn't it's a place. It? It's, it's a rugby club. It's a really windy place. I just assumed it was an yeah, Irish I, fly half. I, I used to kick, kick the ball and have it come down with ice on it. Yeah, no, it's a. It's. I think it's, it's like a seaside club. It's, yeah, it's an Irish uh, from Limerick. Irish rugby club. Gary yeah, they Owen, kick the ball Gary really Owen high. Club. And, and then, that was their. That was their signature move. Yeah, must have been. That Bentley, great knowledge by Bill McLaren that, knowing how provincial uh, Irish lower league teams play. Digging like a demented mole there. <laughs> um, and who, oh, there's the Gregan Ball. Every yeah, yeah, player yeah, at one yeah, point has had a Gregan Ball. Gregan, yeah. Run, yeah. Scrum half, run wide, pop inside, or switch, switch with a forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have no doubt that there'll be something based on one of the Saracens boys regarding money soon. 
<laughs> I can't think. If you know of any other moves or drills that someone in Rangi must have been a person. Rangi must. I was thinking yeah, because that, that's one of those moves that every club knows yeah. what Rangi yeah. is. Right. I mean, I mean, there's even a rugby player called Rangi. Rangi Chase. Rangi Chase. Rangi Chase. So yeah, I don't I, think it was made. Maybe after, he was named after, after the move. Rangi Chase. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you see the way he plays. I mean, when you know, when he was playing well, I think he signed for. If, well, like if, if, one, if one of you two have another kid, call it Rangy. Dummy Un- Switch. Unders. Or <laughs> unders. Unders or Overs. Overs! <laughs> yeah, I think Rangy Chase is signed for Hull Ionians or someone like that. He sounds for a union team up, uh, up north, I think. Union- so I'm just looking here. He's listed as playing for Doncaster Rugby League. Did I say Doncaster before? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's not a rugby union club. But yeah, he is playing again. If you're, if you're listening right now and you're expecting a child... Um, and your surname begins with a P. I have the initials D and S. Yeah, love it. Yeah, just back back to Rangi Chase, um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so he apparently he he did he get banned from rugby league? He wasn't playing in rugby league. I'm not going to say he got banned because I don't want to say he did when he didn't. But yeah, he was working in in a service station for for, uh, for a little while, waiting wait, waiting to get a new club. And that must be his, his new club. But look, at, look him up for... He's got his highlight, and he is dummying the ball on basically like, like a scissors move, or whatever they call it in rugby league. And it is phenomenal. The way yeah. that he moves his hands is phenomenal. Is that the one where he, he dummies and loops the ball around his back and takes it out the other side? Oh, he might do that. And he also does the thing where he passes, but he wraps his, round, his arm around the ball. Does that make sense? So the ball stays still, you pass, and then you catch the ball again. Does that make sense? He sort of does something weird... You, 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 you've got to see it. It's very hard to explain. Yeah. But an incredibly talented man. Oh, one thing, French television, while I, while I remember, I just loved hearing them say the English players' names. <laughs> Jack, they love Jack no, They loved Jack Noel. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And uh, Simons. Uh, How good are those Sim- Simmons brothers? Oh, my God. They, they are so good. Any any danger of an England call up for Sam, uh, Joe? Even Joe? Well, either of them. Either of them. Um, I don't know. It's, it's so hard for any fly half to break in past um, George Ford and Owen Farrell. Yeah. Well, I, I do think George Ford should be at risk soon. You can't play for Leicester Tigers forever and <laughs> still expect to be... Anyway, we won't go into that. But still. Mm. And he's the future. I mean, he's a young man. And those are the two... George Ford's, get... what, 26? No, I think 26. George Ford's... Yeah. Maybe he's a bit younger. Maybe 28. I think Farrell's 29 and George is a year younger. So next World Cup, Farrell's what? early 30s. World Cup's in the 30s? three years away. Yeah. That's fine. It is fine. Yeah. It is fine. Uh, he's going to be a lot Especially when Farrell's not going to get many more... Yeah, twenty seven miles on the clock in the next year, is he? Yeah, true. That is very, very true. Other than playing Six Nations and then Alliance. Tour. I was thinking there was some talk had uh, that that had Saracens got to a final, they were going to really be pushing that if they won it, they should be allowed to defend the title next year, which would have been the ideal situation <laughs> yeah. for those players. Just yeah. playing Champions Cup, uh, yeah. then Lions. Six Nations, Lions. I mean, it's Six Nations, Cup. Lions. Yeah, if that was yeah. Gen- genuinely an option, you'd see Leinster try tr- try and get themselves done for salary cap. Really, it is. I'm trying to. I'm trying. I'm so, sorry if I'm not um, 
conversing with you as well as oh there we are there he is look at this 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 is Rangy Chase passing the ball to himself just just watch out it, you, you you blink and you'll miss it oh my word uh, yeah so that's... that's like what um, Bod did something a little bit yeah. similar to that uh, I want to say against was it against Ulster or was it against Wasps but it, 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 it was I think it's Ulster. He passed but, over. Was it Dennis Hickey's head? Yeah. So we got Dennis Hickey to come on a really hard line. Uh, yeah. And then he just lobs the ball over Den- Dennis Hickey's head, runs around Dennis Hickey, catches the ball, and then sco- scoots in for the corner. Well, there's so, a score. Yeah. So it's the greatest try that was never scored. No, it's not. No, it's not. The greatest try that was never scored. Oh, or was it scored? No, it was not scored. He get he gets tackled. In, no, no. In the greatest touch. try that was never scored belongs to belongs to uh, Sean Lamont when. Carlos Spencer turns his back to the defence, kicks kicks over, regathers his kick, and then Sean Lamont gets tackled in the corner. Tackles him. Tackles Spencer. They, they played both, oh, play for, both Northampton. for Northampton. Yeah. Okay. That's the greatest try never scored. <laughs> in case you're wondering. Uh second greatest try. The greatest try. try ever scored was also Carlos Spencer. The one where he ran it into the corner. When he ran it into the corner. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad we could clear that up. <laughs> so you've you've listed the second greatest try ever scored. Uh, never scored. No. No, I think, well, you know. <laughs> put, put, there's put, two great non-try scoring tries. Let's agree on that. <laughs> um, Tim, you so you were there at La Défense Arena yes. in Paris. Just describe the the setup and the yeah. just how it well, is actually, to be there. But Well, before that, so uh, coming into land at Charles de Gaulle, um, as I landed at the very end of the runway, the first, when, the, when they hit the reverse... Thing on or whatever the way they put the, whatever yeah. the thing they do is when they put the brakes on. I don't know how they do it. You'll know, JB. They reverse the thrust. Reverse the thrust. Right there you go. I was I, I wasn't confident. Yeah. I thought I was saying the right thing, but didn't want to sound stupid. I looked out my window to the right and I saw Macron's plane. The um, oh. the Republic. Oh right, sorry. Repub- I was like, what? The shirt sponsor? Freaky. <laughs> Republic Francaise, and it had the steps up, ready to go, and it had some black uh, like SUV vehicles dotted around it. Awesome. And stuff. And, uh, you know, it was exactly like the one that everyone kicked up a massive stink about the UK having yeah, what a little was it? while ago. What were we I call it? Blair Force cool. 1, we, we, we were going to call us. <laughs> <laughs> I thought cool. it was awesome. Yeah, so when we were flying into Marseille, the awful town that is, um, on the way in, we saw the French display team in a diamond formation in the air go past our aircraft. Oh, wow. That's pretty, that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sure they did that just to welcome you in. Exactly yeah. right. Well, there was probably some uh, rugby royalty on that plane. Who? At the time, coming into... Oh, no, Marseille. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. I was thinking uh, Monaco, but... No, no, no. Oh, wait. No, no. 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 Yeah, the other plane. The other plane. Um, So, anyway, yeah, uh, that that stadium... Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. It's... it's, You've been to the Manchester Arena, so it's sort of similar to that. Although, on the outside, it's... It looks like... The Flight of the Navigator, um, you know that movie from the 80s? No. Mm. It looks like someone's landed a big UFO in the middle of okay. Paris. This futuristic bobble-type thing on the outside. and uh, But it's if you've been to the O2 in London or yeah. the Manchester Arena, it's a bit like that. Um, it's insane. It's yes. insane. It's, it's everything I hoped it would be and more. What I did like was... The the way that the team enter. Oh, one of the one of the best things was after the game, 
the there's a car park underneath the ground un, underneath the um, amazing yeah underneath the pitch and so you get all the racing players and the owners and stuff coming out in their oh. cars and seeing these very very well to do french guys in incredibly nice suits uh, and their very beautiful wives in the passenger seat coming out in their procession of incredible sports cars was <laughs> awesome. I bet it was. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, is Yannick, Yannick Nyanga still director of rugby there? Yeah, I chatted he's to him so before cool, the game. He? He's, he's such a, he, he was awesome. He's ace. Um, but no, but what oh, sorry, we're talking So, gone. just on Racing, okay, the amazing thing about Racing is like you said, said before, they were bought when they were quite low down. Yeah, and their old pitch was horrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked on that. I know, cause they must have only moved grounds maybe three years ago. So? Two years ago. With that in mind, which club can you think of in the English leagues with as much history, which would be cooler for you to buy and turn in, turn into the next Racing? Uh, Oral. 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 No, they're too low down, the aren't they? Is, if you did, I guess you're gonna have to go with location first because if you did buy Oral, you'd have to build the Ladder France Arena basically on a lay-by on the M6. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and this is in Paris, isn't it? This yeah, that's is cool. in Paris. So that yeah, helps a lot. You need the city as well, don't you? So Richmond. Richmond is probably Richmond the one, isn't it? Richmond would be cool, actually. Richmond would be cool. It might be a northern team somewhere which you could... I mean, I, yeah, there's not really many places I want to visit that much. Sale. I mean, actually, actually, Phil, um, <laughs> Sale went over to Paris to um, to look at their stadium. So whatever they might not be able to build there now because uh, some... NIMBYs won't let them build was going to be largely based on that which is a real shame I'm, but we will I'm, never see it now will we Phil? I'm not sure Sale have got the budget I'm to build something I'm pretty sure they do I'm pretty so, sure they have exactly that budget So Sale they lose between one and two million pounds a year It's, it's play money isn't it? It's a toy money Do you know how much I've just looked up how much the Ladder so, Arena was I, to build I, How much was it to build? This. Is it like what? 700 million? Not that much. It's the 360 million euros. Uh, no, I tell you what. So I, if, if, I mean, sale. So 360 million euros. However, on the giant screen, my hotel room was was the window was look it was right about 50 meters away from it, 100 meters away. So there's a giant screen outside, probably as big as the one inside, just um, showing shots of Racing playing and all the sponsors and stuff, but also advertising loads of gigs and like yeah, Iron, Iron uh, Maiden are there next summer and awesome. So it's. It's not just a rugby venue. Well, it's a venue. shame that you went when you did, because after the game, they'll open it up for, for fans. Yeah. And they have a, a, a good old beer. Yeah, uh, they, uh, turn, uh, they turn the end opposite the big screen into a big bar and yeah. like, nightclub, basically. And they have a, awesome. a band play and whatnot. Um, awesome. Yeah, so back to La Defense Arena, which should be built in sale, but can't, can't be. I'm sure it has some ridiculous record for the most amount of planning objections. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, it's, a, it's like 700 different planning objections that they had to, like, in permits they had to pull and all sorts. Because you're building in the centre of Paris, which is, you know, and they're French... So you can imagine all the hurdles that you've got to Yeah, do. but also, because it's in France, if you're a billionaire, you've got enough money to uh, there are pay, ways. pay off all the, yeah. uh, the all the government officials. There, there are ways, and of course, Simon, Simon Orange and Steve Diamond and all the good people at sale would never do that, but they do have to still contend with the same kind of idiot that would write a complaint to the Paris authorities, writing complaints to the sale authorities. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I loved, when the um, players, uh, when the racing players arrived... So I was doing the, the pre-match interviews and stuff, and the lights were on, and everyone was milling around. All of a sudden, the lights went off. This this booming music started playing, and all the flashing disco lights came on. This is like an hour and a half before kickoff, 
And I was like, all right, they're just testing it out. And then a load of Racing players that evidently, as it turned out, weren't in the matchday squad were on the pitch and formed like a guard of honour. And then from the opposite side from the tunnel, because there's this big car park area Mm. underneath and around, the Racing players that were playing came through in their tracksuits from the opposite side, halfway on the other side, and walked across the middle of the pitch with all of the other Racing players clapping them, with all the booming music playing. And I didn't need to translate some of the music because even with this French rap song, there's a lot of, as it turns out, British swear words that translate <laughs> quite well <laughs> into French. And um, <laughs> to the point that uh, it was Ed Jackson doing a little bit bit for Channel 4. He just I, 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 he just got told, no, 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 no. Can't do it now. You've got to stop. you got to stop. <laughs> do it again in a minute. <laughs> and they walked across down the tunnel. It was so cool. Well, building their own atmosphere, basically. Yeah, it was really cool. That is awesome. Yeah. And, and, oh, and the little thing, the big screen, you've seen it before, the, the, the when they announce the teams and they go, number, number, uh, whatever, number one, this player, number two, that player, there's a little, there's a shot of each player in their racing suit. They've all got their shirts undone and their tie a bit Obviously loose they, in yeah. their suit with the badge on and, um, and Machino in his suit on that big screen oh, just looked incredible. Great. Yeah, so do they wear their white jackets? So they used to wear white jackets, didn't they, uh, with their kit before they No, not, they this, time. Off? That, not this time. Not this time. So, uh, yeah, I might introduce Team Cravats. I think that'd be a quite a quite <laughs> normal thing for Top uh, For the Egg Chasers team or for Top. Oh, that's a good point. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. if Racing can have jackets and suits and whatnot, maybe Team team Cravats. Perfect. That'd be excellent. Uh, yeah, so, Fran- so back to your rap, your rap thing, uh, Tim. Yeah. France had a bit of a problem a few years ago, maybe a decade or so ago. I don't know if it's still in existence. But there was a law which said French radio stations had to play a certain amount of French language songs. <laughs> so you've only got a certain allowance of English songs before. But what happens when your rappers start swearing in English? Yeah. yeah. Then you've got a problem, haven't they you? They wouldn't like that. No, because is it French? Is it English? Mm. And they'd hate it because you're diluting, you're diluting the Francophone culture. Hmm. Yeah, there's similar things in um, uh, French Canada. Is there? Where, yeah, because um, I, I know a few people, so um, the company I w- work for... I had did, a hugely did a, successful hospital there, had, had a hospital there um, that, that we built that were um, to varying degrees of success. <laughs> but <laughs> they, they had, so people who... So, Guys and girls from the UK who went over there had to had they were mandated to have French lessons and they had to be at least fifty percent I think it's fifty one percent of the written form of communications had to be in French. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Anyway, so anyway, that has nothing nothing to do with rugby. There you go, a little uh, yeah. little factoid. Uh, the stadium is incredible, and we will have to go there yes. when we can. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
So, so did we learn anything about wrestling which we didn't already know? Their their ability to come back, because <coughs> um, yeah. it was it, it was the seventy sixth minute, <coughs> and yes, we know that um, Vakatawa and Finn Russell and Imoff are class players. Yeah, but for them to do that under the sort of pressure that they were doing it under in the seventy sixth minute of that match was incredibly impressive. And, and I'll add to that and say something else we learned about wrestling, well specifically about Finn Russell. Finn Russell is a much more balanced fly half than he's ever been. He was doing a lot of the nuts and bolts. He put in a couple of massive hits as he well. Did. He put yeah. a big hit on who was it? It was a good. It might have been yeah, someone that was good, smashed. Yeah. 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 yeah, I couldn't I, believe that it was I, Finn Russell. And he kicked a lot tactically. Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, uh, even though he falls out with Scotland continually, you know, if Scotland used him correctly, as in they, they utilised him and weren't an absolute arse him on occasions, um, they'd be getting an awful lot more uh, out of him now, because he's massively improving. It is a, a example of where a player needs to get out of wherever he is and develop. He's and, been, yeah, he's been called the sort of flat-track bully type, like, as in he'll, he'll, you know, he'll have an unbelievable game against Georgia in a 50-0 win. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, I, I think he's got... a. I mean, at the minute, if you again, I'm basing it just on the last couple of weekends. But if you had to be a betting man, you'd go. Well, I reckon Warren Gatland will take him instead of Johnny Sexton. Well, if, he, if he wins the European Cup, I mean, he's a hell of a guy to have about. Yeah, he's, he's completely different to everyone else. I, th- I think he will definitely travel. Yeah, he has to travel. He'll definitely travel. Whether he starts weather. on Lions stats, but Farrell bigger, Farrell bigger, Russell. That's a pretty balanced trio. That bigger, yeah. I think, is struggling a bit. I think Ford. It's just, is... it's just Northampton are struggling. Yeah, but Gatlin knows bigger. He loves him, doesn't I he? Look yeah, bigger. I look bigger more than you. The international so games they're... are going to matter more if there's a Six Nations. That will be where the decisions are made. So the, yeah, the question will be that... whether whether um, Finn Russell is good enough to push Farrell to twelve. No, here is here is the question. Here is exactly the question. Is Bigger good enough to start a test? Because if he's not good enough to start a test, he is good enough to start a test. Is he, he going to start? And the answer is no. And if he's not going to start, you don't really want him to be doing anything else. Does that make sense? But, uh, another question, an- another question is, if Farrell was injured or gets suspended for five games, yeah. w- would Bigger then start? It's kind of going back to the... Remember when we, we yeah. were having the conversations about Sippers, whether he should be in the squad or not, and people going, he shouldn't be a number three. Because if... If Farrell goes down, you actually want someone else that's a bit more like Farrell to come in. Yes. Rather yeah. than having a, someone who's Changing, very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit like that, maybe. Is, is bigger of the tens, is bigger most Farrell-esque? Uh, Farrell's yeah. most bigger-esque. They're yeah. basically the same way. <laughs> yeah. I think so, yeah. Finn, Finn and George Ford, for example, are probably a bit more similar. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone similar to... I think George Ford is... Yeah, probably. No, actually, I think that's right. But I think... Finn Russell is unique. He's uniquely talented. Oh, he is. Yeah. Oh, so is George Ford. In fact, yeah, they're, they're both predocious. I'll tell you where they are very different. Um, Finn Russell is probably different to any other fly half that we've talked about. Finn Russell is uniquely chilled Hang out. on a minute. I think I know the answer to this question. Of those four fly halves, who would you most want to go on tour with? Oh, Finn Russell, <laughs> Finn Russell. Um, by a mile. That is, I mean, yeah. that is a real thing. That has to yeah, be a huge yeah. tick in the box. That Matt Stevens, James Haskell, and do you want to come out for a drink, George? No, I'm watching more game, uh, <laughs> watching more game film, or Owen Farrell will just be kicking all day. And Big is pretty intense himself. I mean, you're going to need somebody who's not that intense. Yeah, but and this is going back to what you said. You need someone. People need to get out and find their own place. Finn Russell has found the perfect place for him because they they value what's unique about him and 
they just let him be him. Yeah. So he, they just yeah. Do you know what? If you want to go out on the, you want to go out on the piss, go out and enjoy Paris. If you well, want, if you want, as never, long as you do your job. As, you know, as long, I, I if you never touch a weight, yeah. if you never touch the weights bench in your life, and you're five five yeah, five to ten kg of bad weight, more heavy than you should be, so it, that's fine. If you're Finn Russell, a little thing which it might be true, it might not be true. Um, I, I someone's going to have to look this up. But you said, um, you know, go on the beers before you know, go enjoy Paris. I am almost certain Jamie Roberts was the only player who was allowed to live in Paris. All the others had to live outside of Paris <laughs> and commute in for that exact for that exact reason. They made them live somewhere else. Don't Jamie enjoy Roberts it too much. Was allowed to live there because well, he's a doctor and he can be trusted. Oh yeah. So absolutely. I think the stipulation of him moving was, uh, yeah, I want to live in Paris. Cheers. <laughs> but uh, uh, you'll, someone will need to confirm that. Yes. But, uh, but part should... of the part of the reason that I don't know again. Only they know exactly what went down and the people that were in that room. But I think part, basically, from what I understand is Finn Russell f- fell out with Scotland because he joined the squad late because he'd been doing so well in club rugby, got to yeah. a final. Um, it was the final against uh, Leinster. Leinster. He talks about it. So he got to a final, turned up at Scotland camp, and they'd already made decisions about That's yeah. without without yeah, him as to what the code of conduct was, and part yeah. of that was no beers. What? And he was like. Yeah. I'm part of the senior group, and I would never have. I would never have allowed Who this. Who signs yeah. it off? And he just so he played on the. Yeah, the, he just played the on the on the Sunday. Yeah, travelled from, from. Got there on the Monday and thought, I've just been in a final. I've just had a, a, a travelling. I want to have a couple of beers. Yeah, and so and does it matter? And see my mates. Does, does it how many mat- Does it matter how many beers I choose to have? Because I know I'll turn up and do the job. The, yeah, they have all sorts of weird codes of conduct. Uh, so they. Oh, I can't someone was talking about that. Someone, some rugby player was talking about that recently. They were saying, who was it? Oh, it was uh, Oli Devoto. It was Oli Devoto um, speaking last week, and he was talking about, it was Will Greenwood was interviewing him. Uh-huh. I saw a little clip. And Will Greenwood asked him about what the, what the importance of drinking in Exeter. And he went, do you know what? Oli, this is Oli Devoto. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, if you've had a great game and you've, played a massive part in a big win have a few beers if you want yeah yeah um you know we Force get, it down on them. he basically said <laughs> he basically said we get treated like adults, adults. And, and we behave like children it's a great compromise yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly how it should be that's how it should be and um and he said just the responsibilities on the individual you know you've got a job to do as long as you do your job no one's there Telling you how, what, it is how you one do of the, rest the of the che- time. cheapest tricks by coaches. That yeah, we'll get the senior players in to uh, make some rules, um, and then they make the rules, and the coaches can hold you to your own to your own standards. Then, but then everyone, even though you're making the rules, you all want to look like you know the good boy to the coach. So yeah. you come up with these ridiculous things which you you know you just shouldn't be doing. Like oh, no beers and no fun and lights out at ten. No, none of these things. No, <laughs> stop it. Uh, that's that's the only measure. It's turn up on time, in the in the state in in the right state of mind and physically to work and turn up on time is a big one, isn't it? Turn up yeah. on time is a huge one. Of course it is. If we train at ten yeah. at ten o'clock, you're out at you're out at ten o'clock. Yeah, that's the biggest one. Everything else is whatever. <laughs> pretty, whatever. Do you know what? Pretty much, yeah. I think. 
Do do we discuss the final, or do we, or do we discuss? Actually, we have not really done any, talked about any rugby. Let's talk about the rest. Well, of... well, how, I haven't really heard. I want to hear about your weekend in Bath, just briefly. Give me give me a little rundown on Bath. Yeah, so um, because of this awful pandemic, which we've all got to put up with, and these ridiculous rules, which we've all got to put up with. Um, do you know what I really don't like about the pandemic? Being ordered around by ways. I mean, I don't like it at the best of times when people tell me what to do. But now they've got the law with them. Like, you can't do anything, can you? <laughs> so, but some of it... Some of them love it. Some of it's the law and some of it's not. Some of it's <laughs> guidelines. And that's the bit I'm, I'm so, getting, struggling with. We had the most incredible um, excuse for being kicked out of a pub. So we, we we were asked to leave a pub that we were in because... <laughs> because it was 10 o'clock, yeah? Because, no, 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 this, no, no. this was middle of the afternoon. <laughs> um, because one of the lads um, did something wrong and his penance was to finish his pint for, from his shoe. And the, the the bouncer and the manager came over and said, well, we're going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> and we said, this why? Is, was this inside? Outside. We're outside. We're in a big a beer garden area outside. Right. Yeah. M- massively social distance. It was all really incredibly safe. And the reason was because necking a pint from your shoe is against co- coronavirus guidelines. He honestly said it with a straight face. <laughs> like, you Show me the guideline. <laughs> show me the rule where it says. Yeah. Luckily, we were leaving anyway. And we had we definitely had uh, the other hand in leverage because we owed them about 150 quid by then yeah because it's table service table service so we've racked up a massive tab yeah so we (laughs) we arrived at 12 o'clock on Friday and me and Phil then had a different bar every 40 minutes booked so I did all the booking like the uh, like the week before so we had everywhere booked in four, in 40 minute slots. It went an hour, an hour, then 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it was, up to five o'clock, go home, have tea. 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, up to 10 o'clock, go home, sleep, wake up, wake up in the morning. We Where had... did you stay? Little apartment on Portney oh, Street? No, we had a whole Georgian house. Yeah. Wonderful. Georgian townhouse on Charlotte Street. Oh, amazing. Lovely. So everybody, Lovely. of course, the whole world is currently in Cornwall. The whole world. So we couldn't, we were going to go to Cornwall. But we just, you know, for £600, you get a rubbish hotel somewhere. So we didn't do that. Instead, we spent half that amount of money and booked out a house for 16 people for four. It was 16? Oh, si- oh, 16 yeah, people for six, six. Sleep 16. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't like to be in there with 16. Six, it would be a, a squeeze. Yeah. Five it's, five bedrooms each with at least two beds. But the, the regulations, yeah. you can't have 16 people in a house. It's just underneath. You can't drink out of a boot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Can't have that. Exactly. Uh, and then in the morning we had haggis for breakfast with some Bloody Marys yeah. and, two, and two bottles of Prosecco. And then we started it all, all over again with 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes game, 40 minutes tea. Oh no, two games, back-to-back games. Yeah. Um, uh, had some tea and went out again for, for 40 minutes slots. I did bath in the wrong order. I did. Well, well, oh, and we saw David Flatman. Yeah, oh. so we had a nice glass of wine. We had a yeah, nice we, glass of Assertico yeah, with, with, with Flats uh, and Matt Powell. Matt Powell, yeah. yeah. We made, made up our six, our group of six. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. It was it was great fun. Uh, JB organised everything impeccably well, and he also hosted impeccably well because he, he planned the evening meal for the th- Friday night and cooked us an incredible breakfast on the on the Saturday morning as well. Well, it was and it was a triumph, triumph of logistics rather, rather than anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, impressive. So yeah, very very good fun. What a town. What a town! Yeah, I, I, so I, did, I did it beautiful. wrong. I was there, so I got bought my first house there. Me and Nick, Nick, my brother was playing rugby at Bath. I was I was doing a masters, um, and we were looking at our student rent. And we went, oh, balls to this. We got one of those hundred percent mortgage things. Yeah, and which, uh, which you could do in those days. Yeah, and but and and I loved being there when I was a student. But after that, it was like no, I'm t- I, I, this isn't fun. F- 
being you know 22, 23 out in the in the, but I just, I just I, it's the it's sort of place really, I can yeah. imagine living now. Oh yeah, I don't know if I want to live there. Mm. I'd like I'd like a place there, like a, home a place there. there. Yeah, yeah, you know, that'd be more my thing having a place there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, it's, it's it's just amazing, isn't it? And they have a rugby team, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing in the, the, the town. Yeah, the rugby team is so bloody good too. And you know, I I could. I could see myself living there, actually, walking to rugby. Well, no, because it's nice, but I like the AJ Bell, you see. So I don't think it's nice enough to make me want to leave. The AJ Bell and the Rec, they're they're very comparable grounds. A better match day experience at the AJ Bell, better facilities. um, Yeah. You know, better better parking, better location. Better That's location. by a river as well. It's by a river. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in fact, it's not by any. In fact, like this, the, the, the bath ground is. You can see a bridge and the river from the bath yeah, ground, yeah, and same yeah. with the AJ Bell. It's, exa- it's very very similar. <laughs> one, one, of, one of the greatest feats of human engineering, I think. Yeah, see, Manchester Ship Canal. Ship Canal and Barton Locks and lovely. Yeah. And there's a, an airfield right an airfield. by as well, Barton Airfield. Yeah, so uh, sail sharks have a private plane. Well, they've got a guy who owns a plane. It's a sail sharks <laughs> on it. So, yes. So very, very comparable. I don't think Bath could draw me away from the AJ Bell, which is, which is a shame. But it's a lovely city, all the same. Mm. Yes, very, very good fun. Mm. Do, do you want to talk quickly about some 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 some, some Premiership action? No, no. We're going to do that on the midweek podcast. Perfect. MWDP. Um, so, is there anything you you'd want to say about? Any any of the teams? I know we've we've not gone into uh, done deep dives on the matches, but I think actually, and and this is this was kind of what I found myself thinking when I was chatting to players after the game is I didn't I didn't really ask any question on the match at all because it's when you get to this stage, it's all about the occasion, the, yeah. the emotion, the the, the storyline, the story, to get yeah. the teams to where they are, rather than about dissecting. The actual rugby. That's what I love. That's that is what I love about this time of year. Like these Premiership games. When we do get into that in the in a podcast later this week, it's um, it's, it's not really about the tactics. It's about it's about it's about nerve. But that's it's about. I mean, I. It wasn't a good game. Objectively, it was. Oh, a Saracens Racing was not a good game. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the struggle. Yeah, I loved the fights. I, I loved the scrimmaging. I thought the scrimmaging was very, very high, very high level. I, I can tell you because I had my uh, I'm a Garmin watch on. My heart rate was all over the shop. <laughs> I, I was, I was so tense. Yeah, that, that's how the scrum as well. Bearing in mind what they did to Leinster, and they're a phenomenal outfit, Leinster, and they beat them up. As far as I could see, the, the Saracen scrum was creaking badly. Yeah, they were under Rassin. some pressure against Racing. I mean, well, a... in the last twenty, because throughout the whole thing, no, it was pretty fifty-fifty most of the game. Yeah, but I mean, just looking at what they did to Leinster. If, if your strategy is yeah. to outscrum yeah. someone, yeah, it was, it was, and they can take even. that weapon away, I'll say it was even yeah. most of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was the last twenty when when Racing brought their replacements on, and Saracens were keeping going with Mako and Vinnie Cock and Jamie George. <laughs> they kept them on for. I think they changed Barrington after about 70, 68 minutes or yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then it was only when Racing scored that try at the end that they took off Jamie George and yeah. Vin- Wilson Croft finished the game on the flank, didn't he? Yeah, Wilson Croft wasn't. Oh flank. no, you're right. But yeah. they could have still they could have still bought bought off Jamie George. If that makes sense. Uh, Jamie George was, was still on the field if yes. Wilson Croft was on the flank. Yeah, yeah, sorry, so, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, damn it, damn it! But what a shift, by, 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 by the way. What a shift of three front rows to go. Yeah. I know. Almost the whole 80. Yeah. I, can't, I wonder if we're doing the front row thing wrong. Because they weren't playing, from what I can remember, they weren't playing a bunch of jokers. They were playing Racing. <laughs> and they still did, you know, they were still pretty effective. Uh, 
Eddie Benarus, he's quite handy, isn't he? He's all right. Camille he's... Shout, he's okay. He's oh, my okay. God, he was he's good. He's a freak, that guy. He was so good. <laughs> and his line-ups didn't, 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 didn't look like pizzas, which were... Which, I, I stood near him and looked at him, and it was... Uh, the sheep. That neck. Right. He's some player. It's unbelievable. He, he plays almost as good as he looks, which is unusual. <laughs> Someone who usually looks that good. Yeah. I mean, Max him, not... Oh, him against Cowan Dickey. Oh, my yeah. word. Yeah, that That's be... a match-up. Yeah, it's like Max Leith. Like Max Leith is a very good player for the record. But imagine if Max Leith was as good as he looked. Camille Shat is almost as good as he looks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah such wow. a, he's the perfect shape for a hooker as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do we have to talk about Bristol? We should really. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. What a great semi-final. I mean, the Leinster Toulon semi-final was what well, the actual pitch at Toulon reflected. That game. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the game. Up it was. Really. It was. It wasn't great. Leinster rallied towards the end. Leinster, Leicester. Bristol, uh, Leicester rallied towards the end. Um, Bryce Seam's got a very nice try. Oh, Bryce Seam's got a very nice try. But Bryce Seam was playing he should have been centre. tackled. Yeah, outside centre. He should have been tackled. Um, so yeah. Leicester's season ends uh, predictably poorly, as they actually deserve. Uh, but Bristol, Bristol with ace. Yeah. Yeah. They, they played did. very, very tight. And two, games, two, two teams letting the boys play. Yeah, um, I also quite liked it because it was fairly, it's fairly, well, it was obviously close. Uh, the score, the score, uh, the scores reflected that towards the end, but it was actually quite a tight physical, physical confrontation too, which is good because you know, Bristol needs to learn to win in different ways. Yeah, and and to win in the way that they did in the extra time oh, period yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, and I, I know I said this last week, but Max Mallins is such he is some player. He's good, isn't he? He's ridiculously good he's so good um, I'm and, just, yeah I was going to say uh, the, and that, that brought into sharp focus really that how good Max Mallins was and then when both of Saracen's centres got injured and they had to rejig their whole back line actually what they would have given I mean oh, what, what yeah. amazing experience for Manu Vinopola, but and Don Morris for that matter but what they would have given for Max Mallins yes and they had Tom Walskencroft finishing in the back row. What they would have given for Ben Earl? Yeah, God. Or Tomkins, or Williams, or any other. Oh my God, Nick Tomkins. Nick Tom- yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I hadn't even thought about him when the two centres were going off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, very good point. So yeah, well done. But yeah, well done br- yeah, awesome. It was so good. The, just the ambition they played with. Uh, I, mean, I thought fair play to Bordeaux because to come back the way they did, I thought they were. Yeah. Coo- I thought they were cooked. Yeah. yeah. Ben, uh, ben Lamb seems like a fair, like like a fairly ha- a fairly ha- uh, handy signing. What is the relationship between Ben Lamb and Pat Lamb? Uncle, like, it is uncle. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. that's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I will just say this though about um, about Bristol, something which I mentioned last week. They better win this competition because this competition costs them top four. I mean, they have to win it now, and they've got two on the final. That's going to be it's going to be tricky. Yeah, they, they can do it, but they can definitely they, do they that. They can definitely do it. I think they'll be favourites to beat Toulon. Toulon did not look great. Yeah, they're massive, though. That's the thing. I mean, they are truly enormous. And that does count for something. <laughs> it does. That is a skill in its own right. Being huge. <laughs> yeah. And Sergio at number eight. Yeah. yeah. Quality over quantity, but sometimes uh, quantity has a quality all of its own. That's exactly right. Genj was robbed of an awesome try. Was he? Because of a forward... A, a, it was called a forward pass. I don't think it was. But uh, oh. he, he just did a baby rhino... Thing <laughs> he's got his own baby rhino now. He does, yeah. He's got a baby. Congratulations! How do you to, how do you say his son's name? I don't know. R A G H. 
Oh, you ask the wrong guy. Rog, R A G H. I don't know how you. It's a funny way. It's a funny way to spell Rhino, but I'm no expert. Got two of the letters right. Um... Yeah, but fair play, Bristol. Looking forward to that final, actually. That's good. And that'll yeah, be so in when is France, the... just that, somewhere just outside Paris. Yeah, but it? ironically, if Leicester would have won... Is, where, is it? where is it? Where's the final? If Le- yeah, if had Leicester won... It'd be, it'd be in Bristol. The final could have been in Bristol had Exeter's final not been in Bristol. Oh, I see. There's a whole... They, 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 what, they're these... not allowed to have two finals in the same place. Why? I don't know. Just a number of... Are you sure about that? Yeah. Because well, normally they do. Yeah, normally they have the one venue for both. But I think it's it's because of the coronavirus thing. Is is this like drinking beer from your shoe? It's a rule, but we don't really know. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we're not definitely sure. It's in the guidelines. It's a rule. You can't have that many people descending on on one city in consecutive days. So yeah, it would have been Ashton Gate had Leicester won. But then it wouldn't have been Ashton Gate because Exeter are now playing at Ashton Gate. Yeah, understood. Where is the... Just Exeter saying. Stad Maurice David, which is. <laughs> let me find out where that is. Stad Maurice David. So it's Friday at 8 pm. Stad, Stad Maurice David in. in it's on Provence. Oh, Provence, so central France. Rose region. A, A, well, yeah. Um, Provence. Provence. Which is. Where's the nearest. Okay, yeah, Provence. So, so not a million miles away. Right down miles the south. Away from Marseille, actually. Marseille. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No, I'm not going there now. You have to fly into Marseille. It's all, it's all completely locked down at, at Marseille, too. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. In, French, in typical French style, they were protesting on the streets, all the restaurant owners, as, as they should be, by the way. Well, that's <laughs> the other thing about watching French TV, is they're having. Uh, they're having the same conversations that people are having in the UK, only more so. Only more passionately. Only more passionately. <laughs> the, 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 the breakfast news that was on in the hotel, I just sort of had my, I'd grabbed another coffee and it was just in the background. And you could, it was all about the, you know, have, we, have they gone too far? Should we all be doing this? Are we? And there's just loads of people very. No, no one's having the conversation over here, have we gone too no, far? No, they're not. If, it, if anything, it, it's the opposite. Who, who's, whose life can we ruin more? That's basically what they're asking. <laughs> well, yeah. on that. Let, let's briefly talk about. We'll, we'll park the Premiership. Other than to say, Monday night, don't forget BT Sport. You got Harlequins v Wasps. Yeah, that's a massive game. game. That is a yeah. huge game. And I think of all the ones we've been saying, that there's two teams. You look at the size of pick, full blooded. Harlequins at home. Rob Shaw's last game at the Stoop. Wasps have gone f- fully loaded as well. That's massive. Wasps do them. And in a changing of the guard, not changing of the guard, but in an interesting with everyone fit. Wasps picked Tom Willis in their back row, Thomas Young on the bench. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So Tom Willis has really, really They're pushed really, on. I tell you what, they managed their squad well to have yeah. everyone available. Launchbury's not available, uh, uh, I see. So they've got Gaskell and they've got Will Oh, Rollins. Gaskell and Rollins, yeah. But I mean, they're pretty that's decent. Not, yeah, that's not a bad. Any team would miss Launchbury, but that's not a bad um, pairing. Yeah. So they do have a bit of a. Well, they obviously have a bounce about them. They're second. But I was down at Wasps on Wednesday. Um giving them a visit and uh, yeah I do get the feeling that this is this is le- this is legitimate and I think it's amazing when you consider how many players that they lost where they found themselves at the start of the season they, they, were, they were relegation contenders you were able to go down yeah I thought they don't let anyone into I thought they do all remote press conferences and stuff now yeah well they train at um, where do they train 
Broad Street. Uh, yeah. Which is a pretty cool club. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I, I do think it's um it's like it's it's a legit it's a legitimate thing. I'd be interested to see how well they would do in a full season where the wear and tear really affects your players. But they've been very, very good with injuries so far. Mm. And you know, it's paying off. They've looked after their squad well. Well, this is a massive game. Um huge for Quinns as as I say, the send off for a, do you a, think a club they care? legend. Uh, do you think yeah. they care enough? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure they do. They'll care for this one. But which ones? Like Quinns. Just, well, just, so just that clique will care, or like the well, whole. Well, don't forget <laughs> Quinns v Wasps is a traditional rivalry as well. West London. Yeah, true. Mm. It is. I, I don't. I, I don't see uh, the, the stoop. Mm, yeah, they are at the stoop, and they all they can be good at the stoop. I, I think mean, Quinns should be should be a good team, shouldn't they? Really, they should be a good team. They've got they've got a lot players. of talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a lot of talent. It's a hell of a club, club to play for. Lo- um, loads of history. Great place to live. Yep. Um, blah blah blah. But they never seem to get it together, and I don't expect that they'll do it this week either. So give me wasps. Well, we can talk about that uh, midweek. But bearing in mind you were talking about regulations and stuff, there's been a lot of chat about the future of rugby. Sadly, the the, the last few days since the announcement. Well, all all of the crowds and the mm. extension of the pilot scheme has been knocked on the head. Yeah. Uh, and community rugby below the championship at all levels <sighs> below the championship there will be no competitive matches until it's absolute... January yeah at, at the yeah, earliest at, yeah at least January so what the plan was was to progress to stage F ASAP at stage F you've got six weeks and you're into playing they're giving you numerous different windows of when you can play fine uh, one of the windows is in November which is what I obviously wanted to play in that won't be happening so the next window now will be in January. So that's, you know, they haven't said we will play in January. They say that there's an option to we're, play. We're not going to, are we? Well, no, not with these idiots in charge. I mean, uh, the uh, the idea that for some reason that this in any way benefits any community. I mean, every sports club, whether it be a bowls club, a cricket club, a, a, a rugby club, are vital, vital institutions. You can shut them down for a week or two. You can't do what they are proposing. Um, the risk to the players is minimal, and some idiot will say, "Oh, oh but you just want you just, just want, want nan to you just want people's nans to die, JB." Well, what, you, you saying that you just want people's nans to die? I, mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't directly sacrifice my nan. I, it wouldn't. <laughs> but it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a simple. It wouldn't be a simple calculation either. You know, there'd, there'd be pros and cons in, 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 uh, in each column. I'll, I'll, I, I think like this. Um, what is th- this word society? Whatever gets banded around. What is it? And I think society is. A group of people living in the same area, and it only uh, the society part of it, and is a, com- a sense of common purpose, yes, yeah. a, a sense of common values, shared experience, uh, shared a sense of shared experiences, all, all these physical and psychological things that tie us together. That's what makes it all work. And I just think, and this is a big, bigger point than rugby, but rugby is part of it. Rugby clubs, pubs, um. All these kind of community structures, actually, when you shut those down, you're picking apart. Yeah. You're picking apart what actually constitutes I'm, a society. I'm almost certain the people that are most in favour of this do not are not a member of a club, are not playing the playing the sport. They're, you know, they're happy to sit back and say, "Oh well, you know, it doesn't affect me. Let's close it." 
you're right about the society bit, and the point I always, I always make is a rugby club is one of the few places that I will go to, and I can have a drink with a 15 year old, or I can have a drink with a 60 year old, and you know you do have that intergenerational mixing which you don't get. By the way, it seems to be that that's very important because when everyone's locked away, you know people get particularly lonely, particularly if you know you're you know you know you're one of the old boys and that is your social, which is you get on to rugby club every week. It is bloody. Important. I was going to say that. Yeah. How many really rug- how many rugby clubs have you played at where? The Alakadoos, those old fellas, mm. turn up in their blazers every week, and it their life. And I don't want to sound patronising when I say this because for, for young people, it, it gives you a sense of purpose as well. But whether it's a, a guy playing rugby at the weekend and, and meeting up with his mates, or whether it's a you know a fella in his sixties whose life has a sense of identity yeah. and, and thirty purpose. years worth of knowledge mm. about teams, teams and events, and yeah. you know it, it it makes a huge difference. This is the stuff that actually makes us. It, this is the stuff that makes society work, and yeah. I just think yeah. we've I know picked it apart. Yeah. I too know exactly much. the type of people that we say, "Oh, you know, it's not worth. You're selfish, or it's not worth killing Nan, or what." I mean, by the way, utter scare tactics, which uh, shouldn't be listened to. But I know exactly the type, and they won't be involved in the game. And but that's why they're allowed, that, that's why they can say it. They just have a um, Twitter account. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And yeah. write and write a blog every every three weeks. Well. If they can be bothered because they don't have any work ethic, um, <laughs> so <laughs> this hypothetical group of people, yeah, this know, hypothetical group of people, <laughs> <laughs> projected onto <laughs> um, the actual the actual consequences of it um, are, are going to be interesting. The consequences of the lockdown. So, uh, from a player's point of view, the, the clubs that have a good atmosphere and a good ethos will stay strong, healthy and fit. Um, Talk H would be definitely one of those clubs. We have a, a, an amazing group, 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 group of lads. And I'm sure when we turn the lights back on at the clubhouse, um, we will get more or less all of our players back. I'm pretty sure. And I hope, I really hope that that is the same for for mm-hmm. for, for everyone. Invariably, players will drift off. But my, my guess is it might just speed up clubs that don't have a particularly good coaching set or don't have a particularly committed group, group of lads, which is a shame. But that's, I think, what will happen. There's a financial element, which is um, really well, really well run clubs. Because some of these clubs run like you know, like a real business. They mm-hmm. use their conferencing facilities. They, they've got a good bar. Uh, Broad Street's probably a good example. I don't know anything about them other than you know, I've recently been there. But you've got a really nice bar there. It's a, you know, it, it's a good location. You can see how if they can't open up, that could be problematic for for that team. So I think any team which is paying players and you know, has higher expenses are all of a sudden in a lot of trouble if they mm. don't if they don't open up until January. I mean, what they would do in November is debatable anyway because you can't fill the rugby club like you used to be be able to a table service and whatnot. It might actually become uh, uneconomical to do so. So yeah, you've got problems that I have heard of at least one club that well they've lost they've lost all their players to a different club because they they just won't be reopening. Um, I won't oh, mention, really? Yeah, I won't mention them on. On air, but it's you know north northwestish area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. just just uh, before it was n- nothing to do with this coronavirus. This is when I was playing, but I was at Manchester when um, when the money dried up. Yeah, and Phil, you you were playing at a different club in Greater Manchester, so you'll remember because you got we, we you took, got a bunch we of took guys. Half a dozen. You took a load of, yeah. of the best, our players. best players. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the money dried up, and uh, and and the players went. Which again, I, one of the things I took from that was this probably isn't sustainable and. You don't have a sense of community and identity that this that the players are going where the money goes. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's... here's an interesting thing which I thought the other day. 
Um, what's his name, uh, head of the RFU? Uh, Bill Sweeney. He's, been get, he's got on the phone to all the uh, all of the regional uh, un, all of the regional unions. Uh, so he, he, you know, to be fair, he has, he's he's uh, he's made the phone calls. Now it does seem a little bit like he's trying to scapegoat his mate who does the phone calls with him too. But you know, nonetheless, he is doing the communications part, and he he sort of tacitly makes the point that we've become addicted to money and we've become addicted to like you know, for instance, not addicted to money, but we've addicted to things like bar takings. There is a good point there that, that rugby clubs shouldn't should really diversify their income streams and they should do other things in order to run the club. I just don't like the message coming from the RFU because the RFU yeah. is effectively a, ca- a catering organisation. <laughs> when you boil it down, they, they built themselves a whole bloody restaurant in the South Stand or the East Stand or, or, or whatever it is. So, and I mean, uh, yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of people whose jobs are uh, effectively balancing a spreadsheet of uh, corporate. Facilities being built. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I do think he acknowledges this point. I think, I think yeah. he does acknowledge, to be fair, that all of rugby is to rely on that. I don't think it is. I mean, I just don't. I don't think it is at all. Actually, the and to revisit a point, now he's saying that we're addicted to um, addicted to to, 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 to takings. But what, the thing which really gets me is the RFU have had so much money, and they do have some substantial assets. Twickenham being one of them. You know they've got you know they've got a lot of things which they own. Fine, but all that windfall from both the World Cups, which went into, which went into community coaches, and obviously all the community coaches just got fired. So all of the investment, all of the money, it, it's not dissimilar to how professional clubs find themselves when they lose their players or they or they can't afford to keep up the wage bill. When that investment goes, you don't have an asset. You've just literally been spending money on individuals, and now you've got rid of all of that investment. It's disappeared. They've blown the whole lot. They've blown all of their money um, on good people, but it was never sustainable. So not only have they screwed over the people who dedicated their careers to being a, being a community coach because they don't have a job or they have nothing comparable to go into, they've also got rid of all of the money which they generated from the two World Cups and, the, and you know and when times were good. Instead of making it sustainable, they well they, they well, ruined the whole thing. The yeah. whole thing is. But the problem is, it, it is destroyed. It is sustainable but only when they can um, get fans in. Only when you can sell out 80,000 people half a dozen times uh, yeah. a year. You're, you're ab- Phil's absolutely yeah. right to talk. And let's, so let's just talk about that briefly. I don't understand why the decision is that no fans can go. Yeah. I was there at the pilot when when at the stoop there were 3,500. Yeah, in a 15,000 seater. In a 15,000 capacity stadium, there were 3,500. And when you say, I mean, God, the vitriol, again, it's just Twitter being Twitter. Yeah. The vitriol aimed at anyone who suggests that we should have some crowds in. But I, I was there in the stadium when they did it with three and a half thousand. And the everyone could not have been more spaced out. It could not have been more comfortable. And some people come back at you and say, oh, what about transport? Well, they did it at Quinns and they staggered the arrival times deliberately yeah. to accommodate for that. Um, they, I think they made... Anyone that wanted to drive, the parking was free, so you didn't use public sakes, transport. We know about this. We, we know about this damn virus. If you're walking to a stadium outside, it's unlikely you're going to get COVID. <laughs> I, well, that's the you one. Know, that's it's the unlikely, one, that, isn't it? Well, being outside in the open air and distanced, I think that's the one bit of scientific evidence worldwide that everyone has consensus on. You're very, 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 very unlikely, very unlikely to get to be at risk, you know, even the, if someone has it that's, yeah. that's near you. Uh, it's you know I'd love to go back to a game. I'd love to go watch uh, Sale Sharks play. Um, 
But no, when I mean to me, that's a, that's a small price to pay not watching Sale Sharks if we could get the club game back. That is by far the biggest one for me. Mm. I tell you what, winter pre-season as well. Good luck motivating the lads for that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be. But tough. there, are, but there are Premiership clubs. The Premiership, the, the professional model could could be at risk. Well, yeah, and that's an interesting one. So I had a thought about this the other day, and the ones that I think are at most risk are not the guys you think. It's not like, well, you know, it's not like Worcester or Wasps or people that you know the the, the names of the clubs which come up frequently. Obviously, they'll have their problems, but the ones I really worry for are the ones that run like businesses. As I kind of mentioned before, like Exeter, don't have a wealthy owner. Um, Tony Rowe is notionally in charge, but he's in, a, he's in charge, but he's not an owner. He's not an owner. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's owned by the fans, basically. Yeah. yeah. So the they make something fans. like a million quid a match day. They make an awful lot, and now they're losing probably a million quid a month. Um, how do they turn that around? If they don't get fans in by March, it's over. All that good work is done. It's over. So in a way, you might find that the, the club Leicester Tigers. You know, I, I mock Leicester Tigers on a regular basis, but they do a good job of being a business. You know, for the longest time, they were one of the few pro- profitable mm. rugby clubs. You know, they do do th- some things extremely well. If they, I think they, their match day is worth like six. I, oh, I might be talking, talking about a school. I don't know if it is, but it's worth a lot of money to them. Yeah, yeah, it's worth a lot of money. We're bringing in. They bring twenty thousand fans in. Yeah, every every it's got every match day. I think it's got the big. It's the cop, and then it's the Tigers stand. It's the single biggest tier stand in, or second biggest, second biggest single tier stand in the nation. Or is that mm. in Newcastle? It doesn't matter, does it? It's a big stand. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a big stand. Twenty odd thousand people bringing yeah. a lot of money. So these the Premiership clubs are seem to be singing from the same hymn sheet in Championship clubs and, and various levels, saying that there needs to be a government bailout. And this is where it gets tricky because. You can't. It, this is where it gets very tricky because if the, if the government said, "Yeah, oh yeah, we're going to bail out rugby clubs," then every single organisation are going to say, "Well, yeah, bail us money, <laughs> please." Yeah. yeah. Do you want to say something funny? I think I find this funny. Probably gives you an, <laughs> gives you an idea of where the game is. Um, when the pandemic hit, uh, they, everyone went out and got money. Okay, so the government was giving out money like sweets, and rugby league is in a bad way, but. You know, they've got some wealthy owners too. They can sustain the losses. Most of the clubs, we believe, are actually profitable. And back to my original point I was trying to make before, which is, you know, you might actually get punished now for being a real business because mm-hmm. you can't do real business stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rugby League make their pitch to um, make their pitch to uh, the the Department of Culture and what, what whoever it is DCMS, yeah, yeah, and um, they are. The whole pitch was like, we're a community sport, impoverished neighbourhoods, you know, we do an awful lot, here are the outreach programmes that, that we do, here's how we give young uh, uh, young men a chance, blah, 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 blah. The RFU came, uh, came in, and their presentation is how much they lost in, co- in, in corporate sponsorship, and therefore, <laughs> co- corporate hospitality, and could we please replace it? And you think, what are you thinking? You, all you need to do is write a bid, and, you know, rugby league could do it. Why could <laughs> why, why have you come with this? Yeah, we've lost uh, bankers. We can't have as many bankers in our stand. <laughs> Any chance we can have some cash? No. Yeah. I really... I, there will be clubs fold at, at all levels. And I, I just hope that they are few and far between. Um, because you, I, I think your point is, is a very good one, JB, on the clubs that are run like businesses. Mm. They have to be businesses. Well, if you've not got a, a sugar daddy, a rich owner... Mm. Yeah. Like... You're in. Tr- you're in trouble. Some of these Premiership owners, right? And you know who they are. I won't mention them. 
Yeah. They could comfortably fund this club for I mean they don't want to, but they could do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not you know, it's not a big deal. That extra Chiefs can't, can't do that. No. Extra Chiefs are gonna need an actual handout. And it's because they're a good biz they're yeah. a good business. So. But but just just again, just I'm just thinking of uh my old man he used to play at Wilmslow, he was a policeman in mm. policeman in Manchester, he used to play at Wilmslow. And every year and he you know, he lives abroad now, um every He's on year, the run. Huh? On, on, on the run, yeah. On, yeah. on the run. Every year he comes back for the the club dinner every single yeah. year at Wilmslow Rugby Club and um you just think about what, what these rugby clubs actually represent uh, and going back to the sense of community and stuff, this is it's a tragedy if all of that history and all of those memories and all of those the yeah. the, the, the fabric that it's woven into people's lives if if that if that is lost forever, it's very easy. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy to de- to destroy an institution. It's very hard to rebuild them. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Uh, Ma- Manchester is a, a good example of that. Yeah, Manchester is a, a historic, incredibly plow- proud club. One of the earliest, I think it was. Yeah, the, yeah. Like yeah, Blackheath, and then it yeah. might be well, Manchester. Manchester, out, one of the. Um, it's not in Manchester. This is one of the chief bugbears. Manchester Rugby Club is not in. It's, it's, it's a Stockport che- club. Yeah, yeah. it's not in Manchester. Has an SK postcode. Yeah, so the finest club in Manchester that would be Tock H, <laughs> um, but Manchester are the finest finest club in Stockport probably. <laughs> up there with Stockport. Stockport's Stop, 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 pretty good Stop, actually. Is a like good Stop, club. Like yeah. Stockport. I don't think I've ever played Manchester competitively. Been beaten by them quite badly in a few pre seasons. It's one of the oldest, one of the very yeah. very oldest rugby clubs in the country. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, although how many rugby clubs claim that? I, I reckon I could list about five rugby clubs that claim well, to be. Blackheath, 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 Blackheath oh, called the club. The club. Yeah. yeah, Blackheath. Oh. That's the oldest. And then That's I, a and very... Then, and then I think, well, I th- everyone at Manchester when I played there used to be very proud that they were the second oldest. So Blackheath. Broughton Park claims to be like the fifth or something ridiculous like that. They had the... <laughs> you know, so uh, Preston claims to be something... Um, LSH claims to be something. They they all claim to be something. Oh, I found out about the grasshoppers thing, by the way. Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah. I can't remember. I'm gonna have to look it up now because it was it's something to do with mili- it's military, I think. Ah, it's, okay. Uh, the it's, best type of heritage. I think so, but anyway. Uh, so so are you saying because and there's a lot of people from you know ex rugby players and very high profile rugby names have come out and said uh, you know urging the government you've got to do something. Uh, my gut feeling is, I, I, from a purely selfish point of view, because I love rugby, and because actually it could affect, you know, my life. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. I want to say yes, but then I just think of where does that leave the country if, if rugby clubs get bailed out? Yeah. Everything gets yeah, bailed out. Yeah, cricket. Like, every, basically every sport. That's, that's what they've got to do. They've got to make a decision, right? The 30-odd people who are dying every, every day is tragic, but... You can't. We can't sustain. You can't yeah. sustain this. It's world. War, it's world war two. Le- two levels of spending. It's yeah. absolute nonsense. There's no. There's not even any real Nazis to fight. <laughs> it's. It's unbelievable. I. Uh, yeah. We've got to find. Well, we've got to find a way on on the balance of risk. We've got to find a way to shield where we can, but to live with it where we can. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like because it's not going away. Nope, no, no, not anytime soon. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, and I'm with you. I, I love rugby. Don't, don't love, don't love paying tax. And there's going to be a lot, a lot more tax due. Well, and a lot less rugby. It's not even. Uh, you know What's what, a terrible deal. What I'm sort of considering <laughs> with that is, well, it's actually we, Move we, to Sweden? we've all got, we've all got kids. They're, they're picking <laughs> yeah, yeah, up yeah. the tab for this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jeez. Send, send, send them the bill. 
Um, what is the, what is the, the grasshoppers story? I'm trying to find it out. I did know it. I'm sorry. Might have to wait till the midweek pod. Oh, uh, see, what a tease for the midweek pod. Yeah. Well, right. um, you've been, you've you've been not quiet. That's not what I mean. You've been just listening very attentively. But I'm quite conscious that quite often JB and I, um, particularly the Twitter lot, just sort of write, write off our opinion. I'm, I just, I'd quite like to hear, <clears throat> broadly speaking, what you think. Um, Is more in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. No, you two are nodding along. Oh, okay, that's a good point. With one another, and I'm I'm nodding along as well. And I'm, I was early days during the pandemic. I was really, really um, serious about let's let's get more information. Let's understand what's going on. Let's close everything down where we know there's risk. And I think we have at least um, a level of information now where people are informed enough to make decisions for themselves. And I would like to see. Um, rugby at a community level coming back mm. not not even because i won't be playing um other than occasionally the, the the occasional vets game but it's important to people it, it is it's, it, 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 it has a um physical and mental um benefit for individuals to be able to play team sports so um i would i would i think there must be a way of being able to do it um safely um, for the benefit of everyone, I, I, I really do. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, grasshoppers. Let's finish on this. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Preston Grasshoppers Club emerged when uh, there's a meeting took place. Was, oh, oh my word! On the 28th of September, which is when this podcast will be out, oh. 1869, a meeting was held at the Bull Hotel in Preston where the following resolution was passed, that a club at once be formed in Preston to play the play football with the rugby rules of the game, but without, ah, hacking, but without hacking. Without hacking? I don't know what that is. And they were called the Preston Grasshoppers. So this meeting happened, and these gentlemen approached the headmaster of Preston Grammar School, uh, who were given... Basically, they had, they, they had, I'm just running it down. They had a chat... There was a game, and basically what had happened, the school had a game every year, Preston Grammar uh, Grammar School, had a game every year called Fireflies v Grasshoppers, Ah. which apparently that that game continues to this day. And it was a bunch of old boys of Preston Grammar School and some old boys of Cheltenham College. Is Cheltenham College a girls' school? Might be now. <laughs> I might have summarised this really badly, but basically, Grasshoppers was one of one of the teams of this traditional old game. That so who are the Fireflies? Preston. Yeah, I don't know. Do they still exist? We need someone who's someone who's an expert. I, I I know an expert. Who's your expert? Uh, Byron McGuigan coaches there though. Dick Dick Greenwood. Dick Greenwood, of course. He'd he'd, he'd know a thing or two. Wouldn't he knows he? a thing or two about um, Preston and also. Um, What's his name? Our friend on Twitter. What's his name? Paul Arnold. Paul Arnold. Arnie. Arnie's a coach there. Yeah. So, all right. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, let's, let's wrap this up. Right, we'll have a midweek pod coming in in the feed, so hit subscribe and then you'll get it definitely uh, delivered straight to you. It'll download automatically. That'll be our midweek domestic podcast. You can find him at JB Moore. You can find me at Cocker. Phil is lurking. Thank you for listening. And let the boys play. Let the boys play. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.